0: was at the conference of the National Association of Small Trucking Companies in Nashville, Tennessee in November, in conversation with a small fleet owner there for the event when his phone rang. He glanced down at it and tried to ignore it as we talked on, Then it rang again. I gotta take this, he said after glancing down and wandered off to the side. Turns out one of his drivers pulling a big liquid tanker, non-hazmat, had been in an accident. Luckily all parties were okay, but the equipment Not so much. In the aftermath, the owner was presented with a huge tow bill for the non-consensual police order tow, occurring in Indiana. It just so happens that the state of Indiana ranked number one for the intensity of reported quote-unquote predatory towing events motor carriers shared with the American Transportation Research Institute as they worked on researching the extent of outsized bills and other predatory practices and the impact on trucking around the nation. They're new, about as comprehensive as you can get report on predatory towing you may have seen if you're a regular overdrive reader. Find a link to Overdrive News editor Matt Cole's reporting on Atre's work in the show notes wherever you're listening or in the post that houses this podcast for Thursday, December 21st, 2023 overdriveonline.com/overdrive Python radio. I'm Todd Dills, and today on the podcast, we're going to sit in on Matt Cole's attended conversation with Etri research associate, Alex Leslie. who brought a variety of additional insights to the questions of just what owner-operators and small fleet owners can do to combat so-called predatory behavior when they feel like they're seeing it. Here's Leslie explaining just why non-consensual tows, whether police ordered after a crash or from one of the many parking enforcer towing companies out there, he is explaining why those types of tows are ripe for outsized rates.
1: They have essentially a captive consumer, so market pressures aren't able to regulate, uh, aren't able to self-regulate those rates. And so that just creates an opportunity for towing companies to uh, either charge higher rates than, than what is is fair or to charge for you know, a bunch of extra uh, line items that either weren't used in the actual recovery process, or process, or maybe they're overhead items that are being charged uh, as, as redundant or uh, you know, charging for gloves and radios that have already been paid off, uh, that kind of practice.
0: As you'll hear throughout the podcast, this was certainly the case for the small fleet owner I spoke to at the NASTIC conference. It can be difficult, too, to know just how to approach unfair practices. Given towing rules and regulations are a patchwork of local laws, by and large, but not covered by statewide rules that often only apply on state highways and when state highway patrol is involved.
1: There's no one solution. There's no single issue. All, all of those parties have to work together uh, if we're going to, you know, get stamped out on this issue for for ultimately everyone's benefit, right? Because towing companies that are that are that are doing the right thing. They dislike predatory towing companies as much as anyone in the trucking industry.
0: So, was the small fleet owner's tow I mentioned, quote-unquote, predatory? It depends on how you want to define the term, yet on the other side of a break, you'll find that there were elements of the tow that definitely fit some definitions. We'll drop in with Alex Leslie and Overdrive's own Matt Cole just right after this word from Overdrive Radio's sponsor.
1: Stop fuel from gelling this winter with Howe's Diesel Treat, North America's number one trusted anti-gel. Right now, you need Howe's Diesel Treat more than ever, not only to keep you gel free, but to fight the shortcomings of today's ULSD by adding vital lubricity, removing water, and preventing deposits. The only guaranteed anti-gel on the market, Diesel Treat also boosts fuel economy and improves performance. This winter, do yourself a favor and add Howe's Diesel Treat at every fill-up. Visit HowesProducts.com for more information
0: that's h-o-w-e-s houseproducts.com okay here's alex leslie setting up just why the american transportation research institute decided to pursue the predatory towing subject in the first place
1: it's an issue that that we've heard complaints about for years that motor carriers are concerned about that uh, a lot of state trucking associations are are very concerned about and have often asked us about too uh Really, part of that big push was that there really just has not been research on this topic at all. You know, sometimes ATRI is diving into something where there has been a lot of research, and maybe there's a certain angle or a certain perspective that needs to be added. But in the case of predatory towing, there's, there's just so little data, because uh, it, it is such a case-by-case kind of issue uh, that that they really felt there was a need to, to be able to get a, a better view of the land with some actual data. You don't have a reliable supply chain or, or trucking industry with, without towing professionals. Uh, you know, the, the towing and recovery industry is a, is a vital part. Um, and so I don't want to, you know, I want to say, of course, you know, we know that there are a lot of great towing and recovery companies out there, but the majority of them, uh, you know, are, are behaving well. Uh, so they, they do face a number of challenges uh, you know of course they have to be able to respond to accidents at, at any time in any weather um you know that that can be a huge issue and again case by case basis uh whatever there's crash um and, and on top of that the equipment that they use is is expensive heavy duty rotators and wreckers are you know expensive top of the line um you know pieces of equipment. And in a lot of parts of the country that they just aren't being necessarily used a ton. So what, what we found is that something like 45%, uh, of companies towing and recovery companies operate in a County where there are fewer than 12 annual truck trailer towway crashes per company. So, so, you know, if you have a rotator and you're one of those companies, you may only be using it 11 times a year. Uh, so so that is a challenge to, you know, obviously recuperate
0: value on those
1: assets. Um,
0: that recent tractor-trailer tow bill I mentioned up top after the accident in northern Indiana saw charges for use of the tow company's rotator build for a four-hour minimum at a whopping $1,500 an hour, for instance.
1: Uh, another challenge I'll mention quickly, too, is the prioritization of uh, quick clearance, right? In a lot of states, you have, you know, laws explicitly about this, uh, in different jurisdictions, at local levels too, lots of priority put on getting those roadways clear as quickly as possible. And when that happens, sometimes the the negative side effect uh, of that that good objective, of course, is that you have over-deployment of towing resources, uh, which then might be reflected in a higher bill than what was strictly necessary.
0: Again, the aforementioned tow bill in question. Small for the owner whose insurance company was presented with said bill questioned the need for charges for not one, but two service trucks on the scene, both charged at 350 an hour for that minimum four hours and for a grand total of $1,400 each. If you're doing the math, yeah, we're up to almost 9,000 with those and the rotator charges alone. Yeah. We
1: we really wanted to get a sense for what does the big picture look like Uh, again with that total absence of, of data on predatory towing uh, you know even on just the most basic questions of what even is predatory towing and uh you know what are the regulations out there and, and how often does it even happen so for answering those three questions we really had to sort of split up and, and uh tackle some separate issues so um we had uh my, my coworker alexa was digging through all the regulations uh out there uh, at the state level to build one big compendium of, of what that looks like which is part of the report um in addition that we carried out a large motor carrier survey where we tried to get that that broader picture what are the issues that you're encountering out there uh with towing uh especially but not exclusively after a crash um, that is the most common case where where towing can become predatory uh but there are other forms too like like uh, impound private property towing, for
0: example. Those not so affectionately dubbed parking pirates out there. We've heard so much about this year in particular.
1: Uh, And then the third big component uh, was this, this study of towing invoices and and focusing on predatory billing specifically, which, which was the the most common kind of predatory practice that that we found. Um, and, And we were able to focus in on invoices to that really getting on that specific issue, but throughout the whole process, on top of that, we were interviewing towing companies um, that, you know, that, that are doing a, a really conscientious job, uh, and uh, uh, insurers who work with this issue, as well as legal experts, so it really is a comprehensive report that touches on a bit of everything.
2: What are the different types of predatory towing um, that you found are most common?
0: Overdrive News Editor Matt Cole
2: there and how common are they um, you know how often are fleets uh, experiencing these problems we looked at first of all just the
0: broad
1: level of how many fleets have encountered certain issues uh and and the most common we found was excessive hourly or, or per pound rates um, and, and that could be you know that, that could be on equipment that could be on labor and we saw 82.7% of carriers had encountered that at, at some point uh, in 2021. So, that you know, again, that's a majority of carriers. And of course, you know, if you're operating a large fleet, you know, that's, you've got more crashes. So it's not a carrier level there, but, but that's a very high number. Um, the second most common was unwarranted additional equipment or labor charges. So, so things like over deployment or, or, or being charged for miscellaneous fees. Uh, that were redundant or, or, you know, overhead costs that shouldn't have been billed that way. Um, that was about 81, uh, 82% of motor carriers experienced that, but we also saw a majority of motor carriers experienced excessive storage rates, uh, vehicle release, uh, delays or, or access issues, cargo release delays, um, is a, is a really big one as well, uh, that impacts, of course, not just the fleet's bottom line with that truck, but also the relationship with, with the shippers, uh, with, with business partners, which can be really uh, detrimental.
0: Again, that small fleet crash example I mentioned earlier represents a trifecta on all those counts, with the exception of storage rates. Not charged, given just a single night's worth of storage, I suppose. Nonetheless, attempts to transfer the liquid load to another trailer were met with resistance and demands of overnighted payment to release the load and access to the yard where the tractor trailer and load both sat was denied after 5 p.m. the day of the crash itself. The tow operator claimed that, since it was a police impound lot, rules in the locale prohibited outside access after hours. The owner, though, remains unsure just whether the tow company may have simply made that one up or not. In his view, they simply, quote, held the load captive until a check was overnighted to them,
1: end quote. We saw damage due to the use of improper towing equipment, uh, was, was also experienced by about 59% of carriers. Uh, vehicle seizure without cause, uh, about 56% of carriers. Uh, and then misreported toes, um, non-consensual toes reported as consensual was, was another, uh, that we saw more than half of carriers
0: encounter. Matt Cole here invoked the fairly recent news about suspensions in both Arkansas and Memphis of the booting and towing licenses of a Memphis Tow Company of the parking enforcer type regular readers will be well aware of. Reporting on very aggressive tactics employed by their tow operators, booting vehicles when operators were still in cab, for instance, by armed personnel, saw error throughout this year at Overdrive, search predatory towing to find several examples. Cole asked, was this sort of company reflected in the statistics around improper vehicle seizure as well as improper reporting of non-constitual toes that Alex Leslie mentioned?
1: It it can get a little bit tricky sometimes to distinguish some of these cases. So the practices they were doing could fall under uh, seizure without cause or misreported. It it does sometimes thread that line a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, was their uh proper notification the, the laws vary from place to place in, in some jurisdictions you have to uh notify the property owner before making an impound tow um, we recommend that practice as, as one way to curb predatory towing but in other places that regulation doesn't exist so uh yeah there are a number of different issues there which again there are ways to sort of skirt around regulations as a as a towing company so sometimes it requires some some careful investigation
2: not to get too far off track here but have you seen anything else like what happened in in memphis as far as you know a a city or a state government stepping in and um you know coming down on a towing company for particularly egregious practices or is that kind of a a first yeah you,
1: you do see it um i know chicago has had some issues recently with with that kind of um again uh private property towing or, or you know um towing from areas where the the tower did not have authorization to be removing vehicles from um or uh you know you another one you see is where uh towers, uh you know are, are soliciting business on the roadside in areas where uh, regulations say they're not allowed to do so uh so you do see you do see uh, authorities at the local or state level stepping in on those cases uh, you know there there are efforts to address these these issues but they vary so much from location to location and that's one of the really challenging things for motor carriers to know Okay, if I have this issue in Chicago, you know, what jurisdiction does that fall under versus, you know, if I'm in Peoria, you know, who is responsible, what regulations uh, are applicable, which ones are not. And then depending on what jurisdiction you're in, who do I go to to make the, the, the claim, the, uh, to, to you know, lodge that complaint? Does it go to the police? Does it go to uh, a government agency? Does it have to go through an attorney general? so, you know, it very quickly can become very complicated, especially for a small fleet or an owner operator. And while there are authorities out there working on it, while there are towing companies that are, are trying to stamp these processes down. Uh, again, there's just so much open space uh, that that can be problematic. There. You know, again, there are some pauses that I've already gone through that, that are Genuinely, not the toy company's fault. Um, either there's, you know, maybe information has been poorly relayed by the uh, the police officer or or whatever other law enforcement uh, or safety uh, personnel might be on the ground. Um, so there are some issues there. It could be, you know, miscommunication. Um, there's something like a quarter of all invoices are not itemized, and so there's a huge gap there in terms of you know you've got a bill but you don't know exactly what it was for um but then of course you know you've got towing companies that are just trying to you know they're they're just trying to skim off the top you know they they have essentially a captive consumer so market pressures aren't able to regulate um aren't able to self-regulate those rates and so that just creates an opportunity for towing companies to um either charge higher rates than than what is is fair or to charge for you know a bunch of extra uh line items that either weren't used in the actual recovery of toying process or or maybe they are overhead items that are being charged uh as, as redundant or uh you know charging for gloves and radios that have already been paid off uh, that kind of practice
0: again the small fleet tow bill example invites a little raised eyebrow treatment with a $150 per hour charge, billed at that 4 hour minimum, for a grand total of $600, for use of quote, aero board and combs, end quote. To divert traffic, presumably. Granted, a big board with flashing aero lights could be an expensive proposition, yet I'd expect those combs are paid for pretty quickly.
2: As you mentioned before, um, you know, the biggest issues that you guys identified all had to do with with rates and billing. Um, I think the top five or six issues were, were all related to those things. And you guys dig into that a lot, you know, the research into billing practices. Um, so can you kind of talk about what you guys found related to billing practices and, and why that's such a big issue? We found that 29.8%
1: uh, of invoices had some form of excessive billing. Uh, predatory practice on them uh, which is which is pretty high we found that percentage actually goes up as the bills get more expensive too uh, so the way we approached this was we you know we, we transcribed all those invoices uh, we were working with about 500 uh, and uh, we, we looked at okay when do rates uh, become over 50 percent more than the median rate so that that, that middle rate? Uh, and that was the threshold we used generally for for determining whether an invoice was charging uh, a predatory rate. Um, there were a couple line items where we were used twice as high rather than fifty percent higher, just to help represent the fact that again, towing companies do have their own costs. Uh, storage costs, for example, vary a lot uh, depending on what part of the country and what your uh, you know what your real estate prices are. Uh, so then we looked at each individual piece of equipment uh, or, or labor or storage admin fees and miscellaneous costs and and tried to ed- identify you know how many were uh, were in fact predatory and what we found was uh, you know that the most common form of predatory uh, uh, of predatory billing was miscellaneous costs we saw those in about eight percent of uh, all the in- that we analyzed. And we defined that as you know, miscellaneous costs is, is any line item, any charge that's basically for something smaller than a skid steer. Uh, and then we added those all together for each invoice and, and figured figure out what percent of the final bill they were renting. Any invoice that had more than twenty-five percent of the total cost in those miscellaneous charges, we considered as as excessive. Uh, so that can include anything from uh, yeah. oil cleanup. Uh, to you know, drive shaft removal. To uh, you know, charges for gloves and, and lights and radios. So again, some of those costs, some of those miscellaneous costs are are going to be inevitable in a lot of crashes, right? Oil cleanup, like that's got to happen. Uh, what becomes excessive is when it's over 25% of that bill, uh, and and that excludes all hazmat crashes. Uh, becomes uh, you know becomes predatory in that case. So. That was the biggest one, uh, but it was followed uh, pretty closely by uh, equipment rates. Those were at six point three percent, and then administrative fees were excessive in six and a half percent of the invoices that we saw.
2: As when it comes to insurance, I know you guys talked about uh, you know how it impacts the insurance industry, how how much insurance covers, what they don't cover.
1: Insurance, of course, is is a highly involved you know party in in these bills because insurance does end up paying uh, a, a large share of towing bills for most carriers. Now that varies based on several factors, uh, but but they have skin in the game too. Uh and so they end up uh usually taking point when it comes to contesting a predatory invoice. So-
0: Not in the case of the small fleet owners example mentioned throughout this podcast. The owner questioned some of the charges mentioned, yet his insurance company simply paid the bill as presented.
1: And we we found that, you know, again, they're out there contesting uh, a lot of invoices, uh, a little over 50%. uh, And uh, as a result, they are often able to negotiate that level down, but that takes time and it costs, of course, money as well. So another factor involved in the insurance question is the fact that If motor carriers don't have uh, all of their coverage, that can be a huge issue. So, um, you know, towing fees are often involved uh, that they can fall under cargo insurance, they can fall under auto liability, and they can fall under property damage. And so if a motor carrier doesn't have all three of those coverages, uh, then they are going to be on the hook. They're going to have quite slow billing processes. That means you're going to have delays in terms of getting your uh, truck back, getting your cargo released potentially. Another factor too is is if a motor carrier has different insurers for all of those different coverage types. That's, you've just got more people in the room who all have to be communicating on those invoices and, and that process can also lead to much longer delays. And, and again, that's an area where towing companies aren't necessarily at fault there. Uh, but it's something that the trucking industry can actually do to to try to prove that uh, you know, these, these cases from, from happening in the first place.
2: How does where you're located come into play for your chances of, of being a victim of predatory towing, you know, the state or city that you're in when, when you have a breakdown or a crash or anything like that?
0: It,
1: it can make quite a big difference. And We, we did a state-level analysis in this report and we found that some of the top states were Indiana, New Jersey, uh, Mississippi, California. Uh, but I, I will say that You know, state-level regulations usually only apply to state troopers um, or, or, you know, state highways, certain types of roads, certain areas. Uh, And then local levels actually are the ones in charge of regulation for cities, sometimes counties. Um, I mentioned that earlier. That's one of the reasons why it can be so tricky as a trucking company to to navigate uh, those regulations. But uh, that is to say to regulate... Uh, in terms of to navigate what regulations apply, whether something is predatory or not, what what rights they have. So that's one area where uh, it, it varies a lot uh, at, at these very local levels. Um, and so it's it's important to try to establish regulations that, that that work for both industries, you know, at these different levels, and, and when possible to consolidate those regulations. You know, maybe at the state level.
2: And you mentioned earlier that there's some states that are, um, you know, actively trying to address predatory towing through laws or um, certain regulations. I know Maryland is a big one. Uh, can you kind of talk about what they've been doing and whether or not that could stretch, you know, beyond the three or four states that are that are currently making those efforts?
1: Maryland uh, did a did a big push uh, just uh, last year for regulation of uh, police-initiated uh, post-crash towing. Um, they uh, they uh, restricted per-pound billing, which is often a source of, of predatory rates, um, and they uh, made guidelines for the release of cargo, uh, and then created a committee that would review rates uh, and handle disputes. And, And those are several. uh, Those are several initiatives that that we recommend in the report as as ways to potentially stamp down on predatory towing. Um, But what we find is that you know there are a lot of areas that are not regulated, and then even when there are areas that are regulated, uh, the language of the regulation can often make those regulations under effective. So, for example. There are some states that require that receipts be itemized, but not invoices be itemized. But if the invoice isn't itemized, you, you're not going to be able to identify whether there's been a predatory bill on you know until it's been paid. So th- that is potentially not a very useful regulation. Or another another classic case is regulations might say that motor carriers are allowed to uh, express their uh, their their towing and recovery company of choice after an accident, but if the regulation doesn't actually require or, or or you know highly emphasize that that choice should be given, unless you know the entire roadway is blocked or unless you know, unless it if it's not explicitly defining those cases where choice should be given or should not be given, it can often just come down to you know the officer or, or the public safety official who who gets to the crash you know. Uh, just their, their, you know, on the site judgment, they might just send it to a rotation list, uh, you know, just based on first glance to ensure quick clearance, uh, you know, when in fact the preference should be given to the motor carrier. So um, there are a lot of these areas where, where, you know, there may in fact be an existing regulation, but it, it needs to be sharpened in order to actually become effective.
2: What can fleets and owner operators do to, um, If they do find themselves to, uh, they believe to be a victim of of predatory towing, um, you know, what resources are out there? How can they, um, how can they fight those invoices? And is there anything they can do to be proactive to avoid being a a victim in the first place?
1: On the proactive side, the the most important thing we can recommend is drivers should be taking pictures or video uh, of, of the crash site, of the vehicles involved. Um, and of the recovery process, right? So not just focusing on the vehicle itself, but focusing on what does the roadway look like. Uh, you know, how, are multiple lanes blocked? Are no lanes blocked? Um, and also, you know, how many? You know, is there one wrecker on the site? You know, versus two or three, right? You know, you, you sometimes see cases where two wreckers are billed when in fact only one was ever actually there. Um, so photography. <laughs> uh video is is so important um and again there are towing companies that do this too for the same reason but but getting the driver in the truck you know uh to to do that as well is is really crucial and then drivers should not be signing any kind of release or or, or waiver on the highway Um, they should not be signing anything like that Uh, that's not their responsibility it's not their requirement uh and that can actually get uh, you know that can get them into trouble later, so they should not sign. Now, in terms of how to respond, there there are again several several approaches too. Uh, you know, we have published in this report our sort of thresholds for what you know we've considered potentially excessive rates that can vary state to state, of course, but but that is one guideline when you're reviewing an invoice. Um, another thing that carriers or their legal representatives can do, when reviewing an invoice is, uh, you know, check the the build mileage versus what the odometer actually says. Uh, check maybe potentially based on what the GPS uh, in the truck says. You know, you can check versus what the towing company billed you versus maybe what they build in the past or what uh, other towing and recovery companies build in the same area. Uh, you can check police logs again for the time uh, that the uh, recovery process took. So there are a lot of those little recommendations that we make, uh, and you know, put them in a list so that you don't have to hear me rattle them off uh, in the full report. That are ways that towing companies can again try to, excuse me, trucking companies can try to check uh, those invoices to review them for for any potentially excessive. Charges and and to try to ideally meet with towing companies and and you know nip that in the bud rather than having to go down the full legal response route um, though that again may in fact be the case it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky issue because there's every crash is unique every crash has its own unique factors um, that can change the you know the the pricing that you know the number of assets that a towing companies to get out there so there are a lot of factors involved and, and you know that makes the work of towing and recovery complex and you know they are they are true professionals in that industry uh, but it also opens the door for you know these potentially predatory practices the, the same factors that make good towing companies so good at what they do also open the door for you know those potential predatory practices. And, and so that means that we really have to be uh, diligent as the trucking industry, also in insurance, in the legal side of things, uh, on the on the side of police dispatchers uh, and responders too. So a lot of different involved groups to a complex issue, it means there's no one solution. There's no single issue. All, all of those parties have to work together uh, if we're going to you know, again stand down on this issue for, for ultimately everyone's benefit right because towing companies that are that are that are doing the right thing they dislike predatory towing companies as much as anyone in the trucking industry so yeah. uh it really is a a group effort that you know hopefully this report gives some some good groundwork to to getting
0: those efforts moving forward. Find a link to where you can download the full Atchery report and Matt Cole's coverage of it at overdriveonline.com a couple of weeks back now. I'll post the link to it in the show notes, which you can find wherever you're listening. Overdrive Radio airs on YouTube and the Overdrive Magazine Facebook page on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, and via Pocket Casts, and many, many other apps and platforms. If you're getting plenty out of these episodes, Leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening. And don't forget, you can always find the show at the worldfamousoverdriveonline.com slash overdrive radio. Stay tuned for more in-depth reporting on ways to tackle the towing issue practically. Coming up from my esteemed colleague, Alex Lockie, and Alicia. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with the acoustic guitar and other support of Trucker's songwriter, Long Haul Paul Marhoover. The theme is Legend of the Snake Man by Marhoofer, Featuring the guitar work of Travis, the Snake Man himself, Ramek. Terry Two Socks, was is bass. Keys by Tishamigo Jim Whitehead, and on drums, Andrew Marshall. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive's own news editor, Matt Cole. Executive Editor Alex Lockheed and Video Editors Lawson Ruderson and Andrew Gould. See you next time.